Hey there. Harry from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. You are listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. I'm so excited to have Christina Nakaya today. Uh, she's actually newly going by her legal name, Christina Canizares. So if you have never heard of Fit and Bendy, I invite you to go to fitandbendy.com to check it out. She is the founder and creator of this amazing flexibility method. And it just feels so good on the body. And she has a wealth of knowledge and years of research going into the most effective and safe ways to train flexibility and contortion. So we're going to get into flexibility training for the non-pregnant body, for the pregnant body, and for the postpartum body. I'm super excited and let's get started. I am so happy to have Christina here today on the podcast. Say hi, Christina. Hey, everybody. You may have heard of the words fit and bendy in our, you know, in our lovely community here because she is so wise and she knows so much about flexibility training and how to do it in a healthy way for the body. Um, and I'm going to let Christina kind of give herself a little intro because I am terrible at uh, pronouncing names correctly and hers is a little bit tricky. So if you would please honor us. For sure. Yeah. So um, most people know me as Christina Nakaya, which has been my stage name for the last oh, 15 plus years. Um, but I am now transitioning to using my legal name, which is Christina Canizares. Um, you can see why I wasn't using it. It is very oh, but difficult, it's gorgeous. To pronounce, but it's a beautiful it's name beautiful. and it's my family name and I love it. Um, it's a Cuban name and I'm proud to be Cuban. Um, and so I, I want to start using that again now that I don't have to work as hard to protect my family from pictures of my boobs on the internet. Cause I'm not doing that as often anymore. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, my last name is so easy and I spent most of my childhood hiding from it as well because I grew up in like this white neighborhood. Me too. Yeah. Did you? Mm -hmm. And man, now I just love it. Yeah. No, I went through yeah. a similar journey. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, your name is beautiful Thank and you. um, you're beautiful. Oh my God. <gasps> so I, I've kind of known of Christina kind of like one degree of separation. Um, she's got a great relationship with my bosses, uh, Rachel Bowman and Brett Womack and, and uh, work together on a flexibility program and you have it in Bendy classes at my studio, but I had never actually met you until we did a FaceTime. So um, the uh, rumors are true. You're just cool. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're just really, really cool. Shucks. So I'm, you know, I'm so excited to have you here. And, um, you know, one of the big questions that I always hear from people in the Facebook groups and stuff is I really trained flexibility, not me at Carrie, but aerialists really trained flexibility before pregnancy. And there's no, there's, there's no real guidance out there on how to do it effectively and safely when you're in your pregnant body and um, when to pick it back up and how to do so safely afterwards. And when I first called Christina, I said, you know, I don't know how much experience you have with, with pregnant bodies, but no matter what, you're still like, the one to ask because you've just spent so much time researching and, and, and um, becoming knowledgeable with how the body works and active flexibility. So um, I, I really wanted to ask you these questions and see, and see how we can uh, help our population out there. Just have a little bit more guidance than they already have. Thank you for inviting me to do that. I mean, I, as I said to you, <laughs> when you called me about this, um, I am, I am not a doctor. I am not even close to being a doctor. Um, and I'm also not an expert on pregnancy. I have don't have a child of my own. Um, however, I have a lot of experience coaching people, uh, thousands of people over the years, and including quite a number of people throughout their pregnancy um, and postpartum. So I have some practical experience with that. I just want to make sure that everyone understands that whatever um, 
advice or information I give today should never be a substitute for medical advice from your doctor. And if your doctor says, don't do something, don't say, well, but Christina said it was okay. (laughs) I don't want, I don't want to take responsibility for that. Of course. Um, Kind of the same as, you know, this is a, this is us just um, fine tuning that gray space for ourselves. Um, But yes, uh, everyone, please use your common sense as well. You know, that's just generally, we hope generally what happens. Um, I wanted to start with uh, the, the concept of active flexibility and, you know, what you would just do for your regular clients, non-pregnancy, like what is, what is that about and why is it what we want to work towards? Well, the easiest way of explaining active flexibility is to understand that muscles do not stretch themselves. So muscles can do only two things. They can contract and relax, but they can't actually lengthen. So a muscle can't decide to make itself more flexible. So in order to make a muscle stretch, something else has to act upon it to pull on it, to lengthen it. And so we have a variety of options of things that can do that. Um, Most traditionally, when we think about stretching, we think of what's called passive stretching, which is where there's some force outside of our body acting on the muscle to lengthen it. So often that's gravity, you know, we're just like relaxing, sinking down into a stretch. It could be a strap, it could be another person pushing on you, but something outside of your body is putting force into your body to cause that muscle to lengthen. Now, when we talk about active flexibility, the force that's acting on that muscle that's causing it to lengthen is a different muscle within your own body. So one of the easiest um, examples I can give this that's easy to just visualize without any pictures is a hamstring stretch. Imagine that you're laying on your back and you stretch your hamstrings by bringing your leg towards your face, right? That's a hamstring stretch. If I'm bringing my leg towards my face and I'm pulling on my leg with my hands or a strap or I have a little coach up there pushing on my leg. (laughs) Um, All of my coaches have been little. So they, I just picture a little person pushing on my leg. Awesome. Um, (laughs) And uh, then that's a passive stretch, right? Um, Because there's a force outside of my body pulling on that muscle. Now, if I'm laying on my back and I use my quads and my hip flexors to lift that leg towards my face, that is active flexibility. So, so the, the muscles on one side of the joint are contracting in order to lengthen the muscles on the other side of the joint. Now, as a result, oftentimes when we train active flexibility, it feels like a workout, right? There's, mm-hmm. It's not a relaxing sort of idea around stretching. It's, it's definitely work because we're focusing on the contraction of those shortening muscles. And so sometimes an active stretch doesn't even feel like a stretch at all. It feels like strengthening exercise, depending on where you're at with it. Um, You know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop for a little personal story here. So you were there in spirit, but not in person. When I took my first fit and Benny class, it was with one of your teachers and I ended in a pull of my own sweat, (laughs) just (laughs) dripping, like breathe. Like it was it was the hardest thing. And I'm, you know, I do aerial like six days a week and I was taking it very seriously. So I guess, I don't know, I guess you could take it easier on yourself, but I was like, I'm going to get my money's worth on this from the beginning. Right. (laughs) So I was like, I did everything to the max and I, number one, I worked so hard. And then I don't know, tell me if this is common the next day, I didn't have any soreness. Is that weird? Um, You know, I I don't want to say whether it's weird or not, because I don't even know what that means. Like everyone's going to have their own experience, right? Okay. I felt great. I felt like I could conquer the world and I did not expect to feel the way I felt. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, probably it sounds like what you experienced is that you're, you're a person who is already quite fit. The muscles that you were working weren't necessarily new to doing work. Correct. Yeah. So what you were doing was asking them to work in a different range and a different way than what you're used to, which is why it feels so difficult. So it is difficult from a neurological perspective, right? Because, because it's a new way of using the strength that you have rather than building new strength altogether, if that makes mm. sense. So like they got like the good workout that they should have gotten, basically, those oh, muscles. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
And someone who isn't as fit, maybe could take the same class and, and like they're actually building muscle fiber, in which case they might be like super sore the next day. So everyone's going to have their own experience with that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. And now everybody knows this (laughs) amazing story. Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't go ahead. Please, please, uh, please continue. Um, where was I? Let's see. Active flexibility. Um, Yes. Active flexibility. So, so. I am not bashing passive flexibility. Passive flexibility is really good for certain things. It's good for lengthening your muscle. If your muscle is short, it's really good for facilitating like a sense of ease and relaxation in the body. So something like yin yoga, where you go and you spend a long time just like melting down into certain poses um, can be very soothing for your nervous system, which is great. Um, It is, it's, good for people who are just naturally like very, very tight to start to, to find a deeper range. Um, but it is definitely not like the be all end all of stretching. And the reason why we put such an influence in our classes on active flexibility, um, and the various different ways that you can achieve better active flexibility, because there's a variety of techniques you can use to achieve it, um, is because, when we are talking about flexibility that is going to be useful for us in our daily lives, it's not just having the range of motion, like having the range of motion is the beginning stage. You want to be able to use that range of motion, which Uh means that you need to be strong in that place that you have found. So I'm able to be able to yank my leg all the way in until I can kiss my shin bone. But if I don't have any muscle at that range, it's not going to be as useful to me in my day-to-day life. Plus it really increases the likelihood of tearing something, of getting injured because I have this range that's available to me that I don't have the ability to control. You know, and it's also as a, as a aerial teacher, when I see my students dump into their flexibility because they're just kind of trying to like pull a really extreme position, mm-hmm. it doesn't look good. It doesn't mm-hmm. look the same. Yeah. It looks do you have a word for that of what Scary? that looks like? Yeah. Besides <laughs> that, though, there's, there's, a, I'm going to be thinking about, I've been thinking about what that word is and it just, um, it, it doesn't have the same quality to it. So, it's interesting. I was just talking about, about the quality yesterday with one of my clients, we were talking about, um, control. And, mm-hmm. um, the example I always like to use is Mikhail Baryshnikov because he's incredible. And the way that he can walk out onto a stage and lift up his arm and open it out to the side and the whole audience swoons. Mm -hmm. Like what is so amazing about his quality of movement? It's that every movement that he makes, he is in perfect control of it. And he is perfectly aware of it. His, his, the map that he has in his brain of what he's doing matches what his body is doing. Mm. And I think that's the quality that you're talking about is, is this deep level of awareness and control with the body where you're not skipping things, you're not brushing past things, you're not muscling things, you're not forcing things. You have a deep level of awareness and control of the movement that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes it oh, super pretty. Oh, it makes it gorgeous when, when a, when a, when a pose is supported the way it's supposed to be, but then also lengthened, yeah. it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. gorgeous. Um, so you kind of, you kind of uh, mentioned that there's many different ways that we can work through active flex- flexibility. Can you just, um, can you explain one or two of those ways so we can get an idea of what you mean? Sure. Um, absolutely. So the obvious one is active stretching which is um, you can do that uh, passive and, and through movement. So, or not passive, but static and through movement. So for instance, like if I want to go back to that same hamstring uh, example, lifting my leg and lowering it or lifting it and holding it still there um, is going to develop the ability of my hip flexors and quads to shorten in a way that will lengthen my hamstring. So just using that either movement or just holding it in place, just laying on my back, lifting my leg up in the air and holding it there until the whole thing starts starts to shake and I dump sweat even though I'm not moving. Mm. Um, So another example would be a more dynamic movement. So 
lifting and lowering the leg, moving it around in circles, moving it out, rotating it, flexing and pointing the foot, using movement to increase my awareness of the position of the leg. Which muscles am I trying to use? How do I control it at these different angles? Where am I weak? Where am I strong? So movement is a wonderful way of exploring what your body is doing, of feeling it more deeply. So I use movement a lot in all of my stretching classes. Um, I think there's a time and place for being still, but I, I love some movement. Um, oh, yeah. Another example is, um, is using uh, resistance stretching. So this would be, I take a strap, I put it around my foot, I'm holding it in the passive stretch, and then I contract the hamstrings. So they are in a lengthened position and I resist the stretch. Um, I, you only really need to use between like 15 and 30% of your strength to make it effective. And you hold that contraction for a period of time. And if you hold it for a shorter period of time and release, then that can work with your nervous system to start to get your muscle more comfortable with lengthening in that position. You can hold it for longer periods of time to develop strength in that position. Um, so that's that's a, a more active way of uh, sort of transforming your passive stretch into something that builds strength. Um, Can I ask you? Okay, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. This interview is going to be so long because I keep on <laughs> I keep on thinking more questions I want to ask. Hey, Bean, Bean is just like um, she's pulling up my headset. Hey, I can hear her cute little. Do voice. you want to? Would you like to say hi to Christina? Hello. Would you like to tell her the new word that you learned this week? Can you say toot? Oh my God, that might be the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, but but she can do the hard T. Hold on. Yeah. Toot. toot. Ah, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I did. Oh my God, I'm so proud. I'm such a proud mama. That's so adorable. I'm such a proud mama. I'm going to have to like boost her saying the toot because that will be the most, that will be the cutest moment of my day. Yeah, okay. That's ridiculous. So, Okay, so I am also a personal trainer, and I actually spent, like, a section of my, you know, what's it called? Education, doing just, like, you know, functional movement training Mm -hmm. for the gym. Mm -hmm. And a lot of coaches like to say, don't stretch between um, your strength and neck exercises because you're going to undo what you're trying to do because Mm -hmm. the muscle fibers... You're lengthening when you when you want to shorten them, and I've always thought to myself as a dancer, well, that doesn't make sense. We stretch and we strengthen all the time in the same breath. Yeah. Can can you? Sorry. So obviously, those those individuals that that are giving that type of coaching are are trying to build muscle in a different way than we are. But can you talk about that philosophy and how it is just different, not necessarily. Yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wrong or right? I mean, that, well, I mean, what's your goal, right? Because the way muscles build only and exactly the way that we use them. So it really depends on what your goal is. So if you are going and working with a personal trainer in a gym to get swole, then, and you want to you get- You said swole. I did <laughs> say it. swole. Yeah, I, I love totally it. I said love it. swole, which is a word that I enjoy using. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Keep on going. It makes me happy. <laughs> so if I want to get swole and I want to get some, some like, I want to get my, my guns blazing, then um, I do, I want to shorten those muscles and I want to go to hypertrophy, which I want to go to my muscle failing, right? To, to build it up. And so I'm not... I'm not as worried about length. Now, I think that this is often done to extremes in a way that is to the detriment of the long-term health of, of people that I see at Gold's. But um, hey, it's their bodies, it's their lives, if that's what they want to do. I just think that sometimes people overdo it and don't get enough um, range of motion in their strength training. Their, their range is very small. Um, now, is it necessary? No. But I will say this. That if you are lifting heavy, like something that, and, and that's heavy for you, it's not heavy for the world, but if you're, if you're straining, um, and I will say this is very important for aerialists who are lifting your body up in the air where your, your strength is so important, that doing a bunch of passive static stretching in between or before doing that is not a great idea. 
because there is, after doing a passive static stretch, a temporary loss of strength. It's not permanent. You know, if you're doing just a quick little, like, lean, put my hands on a piece of furniture, lean forward, just kind of get into my shoulders, kind of move them around a little, that's not really what I'm talking about. That's not going to make a big difference. But if I'm doing, like, okay, I'm going to, like, go deep into the shoulder stretch. I'm going to hold it for a while. I'm going to really sink into it. And then I'm going to get up in the air and, you know, try to do a skin the cat. That's not ideal. Because, I see. Yeah, because we, the, the blood supply to the muscles actually diminishes when we do a pass. It's kind of like wringing out a sponge. And mm-hmm. then it takes some time for that blood to come back in. And, and during that window of time, we, there is a diminishing of the full strength capacity of that muscle. So if you're about to do something where you really want your full strength, doing a passive static stretch is not ideal. However, you can do the heck out of some active stretches. Okay, so... Okay, so how about for, okay, you're a beginner, your forearms are like dying in the middle of class and you feel like you want to give it a little bit of relief. Like what's the best way to do that? I would say doing wrist movements. So wrist circles, okay. uh, what I like to call flappies, where you stick your arms out to the side and you move your wrists up and down in different positions. Mm, I like that. Um, opening and closing your your hands. So make a fist and then make a big hand shape. Um, you know, you can do the the little wave things, but things that are more like movements like that, shake them out, little shake, shake, shake. Um rather than doing a bunch of, of passive stretches. Now at the end of class, that would be a great time to, you know, get down on your hands and knees and put your hands on the floor and go through your various wrist stretches. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. That, that helped that, that actually makes me want to like, uh, what's the word? Um, tweak out my, my, uh, stretching in my class a little bit. Mm, um, exciting. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's now talk about the perinatal. So, how should we be thinking about training flexibility during our pregnancy, during pregnancy, uh, pregnancy time? Well, one of the things that happens when you're pregnant is your body releases a lot of relaxin, which is in preparation for childbirth. It's in preparation to loosen up your body um, to be able to go through the amazing, miraculous, and rather challenging experience of birthing a human. And um, while this uh, chemicals in your body, you have, well, most people experience, I won't say it's 100%, but most people experience a greater ease in stretching, simply because, as the name connotes, it helps you be more relaxed, your muscles and your joints be more relaxed. So. There's a window of opportunity there. There's also a lot of responsibility because um, it, it's not dissimilar to the experience of going and taking a hot yoga class where the room is 110 and all of a sudden your muscles are like taffy and you're like, wow, I can go so deep and all my stretches. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning you wake up and you're like, I pulled three muscles. Mm-hmm. Didn't even mm-hmm. feel it at the time, right? So there, there needs to be a greater awareness of your limitations and not not uh, going to deepen things. However, there is a window there. There's a window of opportunity where stretching in some ways for not everybody, but, uh, you know, as a generalization may be a little bit easier for you. So that's one thing. The other thing is that we want to be real careful in pregnancy that anything that, that a, a pregnant person or a coach asks a pregnant person to do is not going to put a lot of pressure on the midsection of the body because the midsection of the body is very busy and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and it's, it's also delicate and we don't want to put a lot of stress on, on the uterus. Um, so generally what doctors advise is not doing a lot of side bending, a lot of twisting, a lot of forward and back. So all of those different move, you know, spinal movements that kind of torque, but particularly the side bending and twisting, are, are contraindicated during pregnancy. Um, and uh, I will say that in my time working with pregnant women, that there has been a lot of variety from person to person in how much women feel comfortable kind of moving around with those rules. Like for instance, uh, Lily Wang, who's, who's one of our wonderful instructors at Fit and Bendy, 
She continued her contortion training through the majority of her pregnancy. Um, and that included some amount of backbending. Mm. Um, and I think that part of why she was able to do that is because she has really excellent control and use of her upper back and shoulders. So she's able to go into a bridge where her lower back, like the, the part of her body where her baby was growing was not getting a lot of pressure on it. And she was really able to use her hips and her shoulders and her upper back to do most of the bending. Um, whereas someone who didn't have her level of expertise and training and backbending and didn't have that level of control, I'd be like, no, I, I don't, I don't think that doing a bridge is going to be a great idea for you. Um, did make for some gorgeous pregnancy photos though. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to say. Oh Yeah. Um, the other thing is that it's a really wonderful thing to continue to do core strengthening throughout the pregnancy. So, um, and this is probably something you've discussed in your podcast before, but you, you want to, so one of the things that happens is, you know, the, the weight of the baby growing sort of pulls your center of gravity a lot further forward than it normally sits. It normally sits a little bit behind and below our belly button all of a sudden that whole situation has changed. And so what that does and what that can do is it can start to tilt your pelvis forward. So you go into like that, like Lord Dodic curve, which basically means like a sway back or mm -hmm. um, as, as some may call it the booty tooch. Mm. Um, so your butt never goes, heard that. I like that. Yeah. I like it too. So your butt goes back, your belly goes forward. It makes perfect sense when you think about the physics of it. Um, and, and you know, this can, put a lot of pressure on the spine. You know, a lot of women during their pregnancy, especially later in the pregnancy, start to have some amount of back pain, hip pain. And so working to keep the pelvic floor and those muscles, you know, somewhat activated, obviously their, their ability to activate changes as they lengthen, but some amount of activation and support for the spine is nice. And it, and it also is just another reason why backbending especially as you get further along in your pregnancy is a little dicey because you don't want to push into that lordotic curve. That's going to be exaggerated anyway, simply by the shift in center of gravity. Yeah. You know, I actually um, struggled with a bit of a lordosis my whole life. And then recently in the last 10 years, I've really kind of, you know, worked on it a lot and way better. And then I got pregnant and you haven't seen my body in person, but I just do not have a lot of space between my hips and my ribs. Mm. I am not a long torsoed person. Oddly, I don't look that short, but I'm like five one. Same. And I have you you are. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't look that short. My I'm pretty proportioned, but when it comes to that space, it's not a lot. So this little bean right here was like living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> was so far out because I was just all belly and she right. was just living so far out of me because um, there wasn't any space. And um, I was on pelvic rest, as many of my listeners know, when I was pregnant. Mm. But um, I don't I, I think in my third trimester, I wouldn't have even been able to do any movement or, you know, side bending or any or anything. I wouldn't even be able to do it. Yeah. Because of my uh, because of of that of that length there that wasn't there. So, yeah. Um, so that changes things for people. And so basically you're saying they have to be aware of that center of gravity shifting forward on their body and how, and how that puts us at a disadvantage when using our core naturally when we're in that position, right? Yeah. When we're in our third trimester, second and third trimester. Second and third. Yeah. Yeah. Really. As soon as, as soon as there starts to be like a change in, you know, where your center of gravity is, which is, you know, going to be different for everybody because the, the rate at which our center of gravity shifts is going to depend on our body proportions to begin with, as you pointed out. Um, but once that starts to happen, it's just something to be aware of that that's, that's like, yeah. And, and that the repercussions for that can continue on after you give birth because it is difficult to then shift back. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, for those who are wanting to train contortion or just light flexibility training, um, 
in their pregnancy for people who aren't there yet and for people who might be there now. Um, can you talk about what is okay when and why? And even if you don't have a specific to kind of give, give those ladies out there a guideline. Guidelines. Guidelines. I mean. Guidelines. Frames. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm just going to say it again. Uh this is not medical advice. And, and the most important thing is that, you know, your body and that if you have any doubts, it's really important to talk to someone about your particular situation, because the, these are generalizations and generalizations are well, quite general. Yes. Um, but w- what I would say is that, um, you know, early in the pregnancy, uh, you, you have a lot more leeway with what you can do. Um, in terms of, of moving around now, you still really want to be careful. And I think having had a lot of friends who are aerialists who've had children, um, that there are certain things in aerial practice that are just not advisable, like drops, (laughs) you know, um, like I would not be wrapping, uh, silks around your middle and working on drops, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just not a good idea. I think that seems like common sense. Um, I have, I've heard doctors say that any kind of inversions during pregnancy, even early on are not a good idea. You should not go upside down. Um, and, uh, I cannot say whether or not I agree with that because I just don't know enough about it. Um, but I do know plenty of people who have, I know a lot of people who've continued to go upside down through much of their pregnancy. So, mm-hmm. um, I would say that's one of those things to kind of see how you feel. Um, but lots of like going, like spinning around, like if you're doing harness work and you're going, voop, 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 um, might be something to be cautious of, especially later in pregnancy, um, with specific considerations for flexibility training, um, you can, and, and in fact, it's quite nice to continue to work on stretching your hips, shoulders, and upper back through the duration of your pregnancy, as long as you're feeling like you can get up and about, you know, um, mm-hmm. if you have to rest then, and you're in bed, you can even just do things like bringing your knees up into your armpits, you know, and like opening your hips and maybe just lay on your back and let your, your, you know, feet together, knees open up into butterfly and kind of rock back and forth, extending your arms up over your head. Um, if you're laying in bed, you can kind of squidgy around so your arms can come off the edge of the bed and just like lay open, um, and, and do some things to relax because, uh, one of the things that can also happen is if your boobs get big, your shoulders get hunchy forward with the weight mm-hmm. of your, your boobs. And then once the baby's born, holding the baby, nursing really can round your back forward. So if during pregnancy, you, you do work to, um, keep your, your, your chest muscles in the front of your shoulders and the front of your neck as open as possible. That's a very nice thing to do for your body. It's very considerate. Um, if you are more, um, if, if you're not in a lot of pain and you are more, you know, walking around and continuing to move, I mean, I've had people be in contortion class up until like a week or two before they gave birth and they just skipped the back bending part. So they're mm-hmm. still doing splits training, still doing shoulders, um, still doing straight handstands, um, which is astonishing to me. I like, I have anyone get up into a handstand with a belly like that. I, it was just so beautiful and amazing, <laughs> inspiring to watch. But I would say that those are people who have been training for many, many, many years already. Um, if you don't already know how to do a handstand and you don't already know how to do like a bridge, then during pregnancy is not the time to try to learn. Um, it's just going to make your whole life more challenging than you need it to be. I'd say really focusing on hips and shoulders, uh, feet, hands, uh, areas of the body where um, you can still be very safe and controlled with your flexibility training, keeping in mind that that relaxin is making everything a little bit wobblier than usual um, is, is the best way to proceed. Yeah. And then also there's, there's one, there's one element there that they have you if they're in class with you yeah. and you are, you are, uh, you're able to guide them. So that's the other thing. If, uh, the people out there who are hearing this, you know, uh, I don't know where you are. You could be in the Netherlands. 
I do have people from other countries and it, it just, it astounds me cool. that they're, that they're hearing this. So um, just be, just be aware of, of, of yourself and, and um, you know, if you have, if you have great trainers out there, you know, obviously talk to them. So um, can you talk about, okay. So what you're talking about, I was shaking my head. Yes. Because my child, even though she's still like, she's like in the 38 percentile of weight because I'm, I'm a petite person. So is my, my partner is not a huge guy. And so she, we got, you know, we got a smaller toddler, but man, I hold her like, especially right now in, in this period of her life, she wants me to hold her all the time. My arms, I am also teaching six days a week. Oof. I'm so, I'm so overtrained in my arms. And then I get home from, from demoing and I'm at a constant flexion at my elbow joint and I'm in pain. Yeah. It sucks. And I roll it. And of course I don't have access to my masseuse right now. Oh my God, it's the worst. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, and my chest gets tight from everything, from all of the activities, from holding my bean, from breastfeeding, being on my computer, everything. So if I were to come in as your client, what are a couple things you'd have me do on a regular basis to kind of balance that equation out? Um, well, I am a huge fan of upper back extension. I mean, mm. I think it's important for yeah. everybody in the world because we're all hunched like buzzards over our computers and phones all the time. Yep. But boy, does that become even more intense when you have a young child is just like what you were describing, like carrying them, holding them, nursing them. Oof. Yeah, it's a lot of forward bending in the upper body. So yeah. um, one of the exercises I really like is to take w- one of my favorite training tools in the world is is the 11 inch physio ball. It's like an inflatable ball, 11, 12 inches in diameter. Mm-hmm. So many things you can do about, uh, with it. And you take and you put it basically in your sternum. If you have big boobs, it can go a little bit lower, kind of right underneath the boob. And you put your hands behind your head and you lay down over it and you kind of drape over it in that forward rounded position. And then keeping your shoulder blades wide and keeping your neck out of it. So you don't want to lift your head up from your neck, but you feel those upper back muscles work to lift you up into a gentle extension and lower back down. And uh, it's just a very simple exercise, but, but it's really strengthening those muscles that bring you out of that forward kyphotic mm-hmm. upper back curve um so that's a really nice gentle simple exercise um that you can do another one is to work the external rotation of the shoulders because one thing that happens is those shoulders sit, tend to mm-hmm. sit in a very internally rotated position so um the one that everybody knows is the elbows at your sides hands pulling apart you know ye olde traditional external rotation um but it's also very important to work your external rotation in a lot of different shoulder positions. So for instance, elbows out to the side, like cactus arms, where you bring mm-hmm. your, your thumbs back behind your elbows, uh, working your external rotation with your arms up in the air, uh, palms facing back, like you're passing a beach ball back over your head and you bend your elbows and try to touch your hands to the backs of your shoulders are just a few. Um, but knowing where the back of your rotator cuff is, knowing how to access it, and, and continuing to strengthen those muscles. And of course, a passive stretch can be nice too for that, where, you know, like laying back over your foam roller and just getting that ah moment, mm-hmm. very pleasant. Um, but the problem with the release work, you know, like using a peanut or even a masseuse is that it's not changing the musculature, right? It gives you a, right. it gives you a temporary relief, but it's not changing the way that the muscles are working. And ultimately for like a more long-term solution, we got to change the musculature. Right. So in simplest terms, we got to strengthen, we've got to really strengthen the extensors in the back Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are going to pull us into that balance because my, the, the chest muscles, the pecs, the pec minor just over, over, over used and shortened right now. Yeah. Probably like crazy tight and short. Exactly. I, you know, it's like, I try my best. I've got a, you know, reformer in my house because I, you know, I've been Pilates trainer for a long time and I do all the things mm-hmm. and it's just not enough. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, 
you know, it's just my daily struggle every day to try to make a balanced equation out of it. I mean, you know, if you were my client, I would be looking at your, your movement patterns in the rest of your life, because it's true that it's not enough to hop on a reform, even if you do it every day and do some, you know, some, uh, rows and some, you know, chest expansion and those, right. all those groovy things. If the patterns that you're doing the rest, the, you know, 95, 98% of the rest of your day exactly. Exactly. are out of balance. So, um, Sometimes there needs to be some reprogramming there, right? Reprogramming sure. with the muscle recruitment. You know, I even started in my classes doing this really like, like this climb that I would never do normally, but it doesn't put the same pressure. Like it doesn't have my arms in, like it basically is an inverted climb mm-hmm. that cool. is kind of awkward to do compared to regular climb, but it doesn't, it doesn't use my body in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to climb like that just to get up so I can demo. Um, (laughs) so I'm like doing things like that, that are kind of like, okay, well it feels different on the body. So it helps a little bit. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. Sorry, listeners enough about my problems, (laughs) (laughs) but I I also know that the problem I'm having, I was just about to say, I don't think you're the only one. (laughs) No, it's like everybody. It's like my friend, Leslie, who lives out in Vegas. She just had her baby and, and like her, you know, like the breastfeeding, depending on how boob big your boobs get, I, I don't even, at least I don't have that problem. My boobs aren't that huge. You know, they're not growing huge, you know, with milk. I'm weaning now. So that's less of a problem. But man, the first time, trim- the fourth trimester, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. So, so yeah, enough about me. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> I can't even promise I'm not going to go there again after my next question because I'll be like, oh, I have this problem, Christina. You got to help me. Um, so, okay. So let's go to after baby. Yeah. So uh, training postpartum, talk about what a progression, an effective and safe progression might look like going back into your stretching practice or your contortion practice. Well, I mean, there's a huge variation in how people feel after giving birth, depending on what giving birth was like for them in particular. Yes. Um, My beloved coach, Serchma, who I love so much, um, you know, after her second child, um, it really took her a long time to be able to go back to train because like her pelvis separated, you know, um, like different than other pregnant women. Yeah. yeah. It was big. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, um, I, you know, I have another friend who's an aerialist and, um, she, her, you know, her abdominal wall separated. Um, it's also like, if you end up having a C-section, that's going to change things pretty drastically. So um, there, there are a lot of factors to consider when you think about how soon to go back to training. Um, and a huge part of that is just how do you feel, right? I mean, how does your body feel? If, you, if, if things are torn, if things are separated, if your pelvis is out of alignment, then it's really important to fix that first and do some physical therapy. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Pilates also. I love Pilates. So, you know, these kinds of things that work on um, just stabilizing your body again. Um, I know a lot of women talk about after giving birth, just feeling like their body feels completely different. Like the way that they relate to their body feels really different. And I think it's really important to go through a period of time of just reconnecting to yourself and having your body, um, you know, and you kind of get to know each other again in this new state. You know, somebody said something amazing to me a couple episodes ago. They said, you got to know that you're going to be meeting somebody new when you have a baby and it's you. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I was like, that's so smart. Yeah. I think we need to remember that. That's why I'm repeating that if people didn't hear it before. So I love that. I mean, that's definitely the experience that I have seen my friends have as they've had children. Um, It's amazing to to, to watch that happen. And I think that we think of that a lot as like an emotional experience, but it's also a very physical one. 
Yes, for sure. Um, and uh, I, I feel like before you start pushing yourself in any kind of athletic endeavor, and and this holds true not just for you know after you have children, but you know I work with a lot of clients who are coming out of various different scenarios of chronic pain and injury, and um, you know various different kinds of ways that they've become separated from their body kinds of trauma. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of times they want to jump right into exercising and be like, okay, I want to get strong again. I want to be able to do this thing that I used to be able to do. And it's like, ah, well, you know, yes, totally. Absolutely. Let's, let's set that as a goal. And that the first thing though, really needs to be like, where are you at? Where are you? You know, where, where's your body? Um, can you feel your body? Can you feel your muscles? Can you engage your muscles? Um, do you have that? It's that, that level of control and awareness that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. um, to be able to really feel where you are in space and have that level of control. Um, and I will say that, that gentle controlled active flexibility is a pretty awesome way of doing that. Um, and I, I'll go back to that same example of leg lifts, you know, uh, laying on your back, do it with your knees bent. So lifting one bent knee up and lowering back down, very traditional Pilates exercise, but it is a, a lengthening exercise for the back of the body, shortening exercise for the front of the body, um, and things like that, where you're using your full range. So that, that's what turns it into active flexibility versus just strengthening where you're going to your end range every time can help you just start to reconnect to your body's abilities. And you're Are you talking about a, just scissor, a scissors on the ground with the legs? Oh, I didn't even get as far as scissors. I'm literally talking. You're, talk, you're talking about marching. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, although scissors are great too, like once you get stronger, but for, you know, for a lot of times when people are, are coming out of a situation where they've kind of been blasted out of their bodies by a certain experience, taking it really, 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 really simple is great. It's so great. There's so much benefit to doing movements that, that are quote, I'm using my little air quotes that you can't see, um, easy in order to facilitate reconnection with the body through movement. And I can't emphasize enough just based on my own experience of like recovering from various different injuries and trauma, how important that process is before mm -hmm. you start taking yourself into things that are more challenging for you. Right. And how long you might ask, should I be doing that? Cannot tell you. <laughs> <laughs> because it is a very subjective thing that, you know, is going to be different for each person, um, depending on so many factors that I can't even begin to list them all. But ultimately, you know, it's about facilitating enough awareness of yourself, your body, where you're at, uh, that when you do start to challenge yourself and you grade up that challenge over time, that it feels controlled and it feels oh. embodied. Would you say, would you say that before you start doing any back bendy things that you successfully get your core to fire for many, many weeks? Is that yeah, like a, is that like a good, I would base? say, I would say that's a really good base. So, so like if, if you're struggling to hold plank for a minute or to hold a, a hollow body or like hundreds in Pilates. Um, if, if you are, are having abdominal or pelvic pain of any kind, because things are still feeling kind of out of whack, then I would say hold off on the back bending and hold off on like the deep splits training. Um, okay. Because you really, I mean, especially back bending, the ability to control your spine from your transverse abdominis, your obliques, and to a certain extent, your rectus abdominis as well, to have your pelvic floor be a nice solid base for your spine, your psoas, is so important to making sure that your spine stays healthy, you know, that you don't end up smooshing anything back there that you'd rather not smoosh. Mm-hmm. Or that you tear something in the front, right? Which also would suck. Yeah. Yeah, because you're 
already recovering. Yeah. You don't want to have to recover from from something. Yeah. From something new because you got excited. Yeah. I, I really feel like um, you know, there's there's probably there's probably two halves of us that you know, most most us athletes, aerialists, we have this this urge to get up there and to go back to what we were doing before sure. because it makes us feel whole. Yeah. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Um, but you are the second, I want to say, really specialized um, uh, practitioner this week. You are in good company. Um, I just, I just interviewed Emily, Dr. Emily Sherb, the circus doc, Love. last week. Yeah, and you're basically you both talked about marching like it was like the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like it's the best. It is. It's the best. I give it to everybody. And everybody. Like, and like people come to me for slides. wrist injuries. I'm like, we're doing marching. <laughs> it's like you guys. The way you talk about marching, it's like the sexiest thing. And I'm like, wait, are we talking about the same thing? <laughs> I love it. I love that she said the same thing. That makes me so happy. With with as much enthusiasm as you do, <laughs> which is the other really entertaining part of it. It's a great exercise. I mean, you know, it's like I I really am starting to understand what it takes to to teach in our in our different in our different fields for a long time. You got to be psyched about a footlock and yeah. about a marching exercise because otherwise, you know, I just taught somebody this morning who took two classes before the pandemic and then she just coming back. And, um, you know, you got to be psyched about teaching somebody how to climb and same for you. You got to be psyched about getting through that first step because, uh, the sexy stuff isn't really like the hard advanced crazy drops and stuff. It's, it's being able to do things healthy in your body so that you can do them forever. I mean, for me, that is the sexy stuff for sure. Like I, the majority of my clients at this point are not people who are aspiring contortionists by a long shot. Like I work three days a week with a woman in her sixties who is trying to regain basic mobility. Um, Mm -hmm. We're working on walking. We're working on being able to lift her arm up over her head. We're working on her being able to um, sit up from stand up from sitting in a chair And I love it. I love doing that. I love working with her so much. I'm working with people who are, you know, recovering from various different kinds of injuries. And almost all the work that I'm doing now is more functional mobility and functional flexibility rather than fancy stuff. And the reason I love it is because it's, it's, it's speaks so much to our ability to be fully alive in our bodies. And that's what is so exciting to me. You know, can can we live a rich and full life by having a decent relationship with our body and being able to move in a way that feels joyful for us? Yeah. And pain free, hopefully. Yeah. Or even, you know, I mean, for some people, maybe pain free isn't a realistic goal, but but being able to have a relationship with the pain and with the body that is still healthy and still be able to move, still be able to find joy. I love that. I love the attitude. I want to be like, I want to be your friend. I hope we can be real friends in real life after this pandemic. Me too. That a coffee perhaps. Um, yeah, I hope. And then Christina, if you could just tell us what's in the future for you, tell me what you're excited about. Tell me what you're working on. Well, um, the big news is that we are moving out of our studio that we've been in uh, since 2018. So there's some sadness there for sure because uh, it's been a magical space. But uh, given the current situation in the world, the world has just really changed. And uh, we it just doesn't make sense. The business that we opened it under no longer really makes sense in the current world. So um, we are shifting our focus as a company to being majority online. And the thing that I'm really excited about is um, we we have a, a good online program right now that we threw up literally the day after we closed last March. <laughs> so it's been great. But now that we're committing to that, um, I'm very excited to develop it out into a much more robust and complete program with a lot of different resources on flexibility at all levels and and movement and functional anatomy and all of the different things that I'm wildly nerdy about. Um, and it's great because it enables us to reach people all over the world. And um, I really love that. I've, I've 
met so many amazing people through teaching online over the last year that I would not have met just teaching at the studio. So um, very excited about that. Uh, and uh, continuing to work with my my private clients and and uh, just be a gigantic old nerd for um, kinetic neurology. It's the most amazing thing. I never get tired of it. Um, I I love it. Uh, moment of silence for <laughs> for the brick and mortar. Yeah, but I have to say, I also feel like I'm like breaking news. You know, like I feel like that for once. I don't ever feel like that. Yeah, actually. Like I feel like I'm breaking like a big story. You're breaking a big story. I'm breaking a big story. Yeah. Um, so moment of silence for brick and mortar. But I have to say that, um, you know, the world kind of L.A. might might, you know, be sad about that. But then the world is going to benefit because, you know, everybody can access you. And, yeah. Great. And we're going to we're going to really try to find ways to do in-person offerings for people in L.A. at at other people's locations. I mean, we've been at Womack and Bowman on and off since Womack and Bowman first opened. I've known Brett since he was like 17. (laughs) Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Oh, he's like he's he's the uh, the sleeper of our community, I feel like. People don't realize how good he is. He's astonishing. He is one of my favorite aerialists to watch ever. And and, and ever since I've known it, ever since he was, he's just always had this sort of magical quality. He's really yeah. amazing in the air. He's, um, I want to stretch and it's not because he's my boss. I would not be, I would just wouldn't, wouldn't mention it if I didn't think about it, but if I didn't think so highly, but he, he's one of the best male aerialists in the world. Yeah, he is. And um, I don't know if people realize that because he's so unassuming and humble he's very chill humble he's so chill yeah so um anyways brett womack you just got a shout out yes we love you brett. you just got a shout love out you too, rachel yeah both of them um and uh i'm really excited to see what happens with with uh you and your your business over time and i will uh I hope to have coffee with you someday when the world is back to normal. Let's do it. I Let's just got my it. second vaccine. I'm ready to party. <laughs> I love it. Mine is tomorrow. Woo, congrats. Mine is tomorrow. We're getting there. We're getting there. So, um, yeah, you guys can find Christina on Instagram at fit and bendy. And you can always can people message you there easily? They can. Um, I have a hate with a little bit of love relationship with Instagram. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing on social media. I have a YouTube channel, uh, Fit and Bendy on YouTube that um, I am just about to like really pour a lot of my focus into. I'm really excited about YouTube. I like that better as a medium. And you can always okay. go to the website and there's a contact form and you can contact me there. And that's uh, my preferred way. If you want to ask me a question is to, to through the website. Fitandbendy.com. Yes, indeed. All right. I will definitely put that in the show notes so people don't have to rush to find a um, piece of paper to do it right now. Cool. Um, and they're going to be able to find you. Christina, you're, you're, uh, you're so fun to talk to. And you're the little bean is saying thank you because I never let her nurse this long. Oh, I I am very excited to meet Bean in person. Um, okay, hold on. She wants okay, you wanna say you wanna say goodbye to everyone? Hold on, let's see if she'll do it. Okay. Say say bye. No, you're no. not into it. <laughs> not into not it. Into okay, all right. all right. It's okay. Um <laughs> all right, Christina. This has been super fun. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. I'm I'm Really, really honored that you offered this to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Christina for being here and giving us her seeds of wisdom. You can always find her at fitandbendy.com. You can always find me at carry at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com via email. Please honor me with a five-star rating. Yeah, with the five-star rating and a review anywhere you find your podcast so that our community can more easily find me. And thank you to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. <laughs> <laughs>